0: You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. You know, the concept of submission is something that really has come to the forefront of American dialogue as we've struggled with this pandemic. And what I mean by the question of submission is is we're all having to submit to our civic leaders and deciding if we're going to really submit or not. Are we going to stay home? when we're sick? Are we going to avoid large gatherings? Are we going to travel unnecessarily? And can we submit joyfully when things are getting more restrictive and when bills aren't passing the legislature? Can we submit to our leaders? That's the same question that Pilate and the Jewish leaders were asking as Jesus came to the end of his earthly ministry. The Lord had made a claim. He claimed to be the Son of God. That was clear. And so each of those parties had to decide, are we going to submit to him and believe him? And now in our time, you and I have to make that same decision. Will you submit and will I submit? Because really when it comes down to it, living a pleasing Christian life a successful Christian life, one that makes a difference in the world, above all things, is a question of submission. And that's where we're going in the text this morning. So if you have a Bible nearby, if you have a phone, if you have a tablet with you, please open them up and turn to the book of John. And we're going to begin this morning in chapter 18. John 18. John is the fourth book in the Bible right at the beginning of the New Testament and we can go there together. And we're going to continue our walk with Jesus to the cross and then to the empty tomb. Because believe it or not, we're only a week and a half away from Holy Week and only two and a half weeks from Easter. And it's kind of been swallowed up in all of the news that's happening around us. But I think it's important for us to take time and remember and take time and walk with Jesus in this way. So where we are this morning, is he's been through a religious trial. He was sent in front of the Jewish high priest. It was an illegal trial. He was questioned. He was harshly treated. And now he's been hauled in front of the Roman governor Pontius Pilate for the civil portion of his trial. And the Jewish leaders were just doing things in this narrative that were ripe with incredible irony. For example, as they brought him in front of Pilate's headquarters, they wouldn't walk in because they didn't want to become unclean for Passover. Yet the reason they brought him in was to get him killed. And so they were going to leave that in the hands of Pilate because he was the Roman governor of the region. And they stood outside and they screamed for the head of Jesus. And in verse 31, they said to Pilate, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. In other words, we want you to do our dirty work. And that's where we pick up the story. Jesus is now going to go one-on-one with Pilate. It's a fascinating dialogue, and it will teach us a lot about submission and what it means to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. So we begin in verse 33. So Pilate entered... His headquarters again, and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And in verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. So that's an amazing statement. Jesus is indeed a king, but he's not a king of an earthly kingdom. He's the king of a universal kingdom, of a a kingdom that could only be accessed through the eyes of faith. And that's why these Jewish leaders, that's why Pilate couldn't see his kingdom, because they weren't willing to look through the eyes of faith. And so because they were unwilling to submit to the lordship of Jesus, and here's the danger for you and the danger for me, and the first point I want to make to you this morning is that a lack of submission leads to an inaccurate view of Christ. When we are unwilling to submit to his authority and his lordship, then we can make him out to be anything we want. And then there really is no rules. There there are no rules. There is no authority. And this can be fatal to our spiritual lives. Now, Pilate and the Jews were all present within this angry mob, and they couldn't see Jesus but these are startling words my kingdom is not of this world and Pilate for his part must have known that something was afoot because normally the Jewish leaders would never ever give one of their own away but not only were they giving Jesus away they were actually sending him to the hated Romans in order to be killed. In the Gospel of Luke, it's recorded this way, as they accused Jesus of all these ridiculous charges. And they began to accuse him, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And so because they were unwilling to submit, they had to come up with these crazy charges against Jesus. Here's what the charges were. First, it was subversion. In other words, we're we're being misled by this man. He's hurting our nation. And then there was an unwillingness to pay taxes to Caesar. But the most serious charge of all was the charge of blasphemy because he was claiming to be the king. He was claiming to be the son of God. And so they had to make a decision. Were we going to believe this or not. And these charges come from a lack of submission. The charge of blasphemy was the most serious of all. It was the death penalty. But again, the irony of this is that the Jews had no authority to kill Jesus. Only the Romans could execute prisoners. And so the Jews had to come before the Romans in order to try to do Jesus in. And that's exactly what's happening in this narrative. So they bring Jesus in front of Pilate and Pilate becomes a central figure in this narrative. He would hear these ridiculous charges. He himself would have to decide, am I going to believe what this man is telling me? Each one was going to decide, will I submit? To Jesus and so the charges were ridiculous because they had an inaccurate view of Christ it's a danger for us and then the second point is this it would be foolish for you to reject a heavenly king just think of that for a moment here we are earthly creatures mortal we have a heavenly king that's pursuing us how foolish it would be to reject him In his pursuit of us. And so here's Pilate now. Pilate is what we call a prefect. He's the Roman governor. He's overseeing Palestine as part of the Roman occupation. And normally Pilate would live in this really beautiful seaside city of Caesarea. But the reason he's in Jerusalem is because it's Passover and the city has swelled to maybe a million people and he would come to Jerusalem to make sure he would put down any revolts that might happen. Pilate has been seen at times as this sympathetic figure. He was nothing like that. He was cruel, he was brutal, and the reason he's here now is because there was a political hotbed on his hands. And he had numerous opportunities in this narrative to believe what Jesus is telling him, and Jesus is trying to tell him the truth. If we look at verses 37 and 38, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And as he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in this man. So Pilate outright rejects Jesus. He throws out this line, what is truth anyway? He turns around, he goes back outside, and that's his declaration that I am not going to submit. But something else really interesting happens right there. He actually proclaims Jesus as being innocent. And so Jesus all along has been claiming to be this sacrificial lamb, and now out of the mouth of a pagan governor comes those words. He is innocent. I find no fault in him. And this is where Pilate now begins to make A series of errors because he's a coward. He wants nothing to do with this. But yet he has the Jews on his hand. He has a political hotbed on his hands. So he has to do something. He knew that Jesus was from somewhere else. He wasn't sure where. But he didn't really believe that Jesus was a threat to Rome. And so the best thing he could do is try to get rid of this situation as soon as possible. But the one thing he wasn't going to do is submit. He wasn't going to admit that Jesus was something special, and neither were the Jews. And that's even more puzzling. One can understand that a pagan ruler would dismiss a Jewish king, but Jesus' own people would reject him, and that is devastating the Jews not only would submit, they were going to reject Jesus outright. And if you look ahead with me now to John chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, we see that Pilate had Jesus whipped and he was ridiculed. And then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Now, there are actually, if you look back through history, there are three different types of Roman floggings that they would use on prisoners, the harshest of which Jesus would receive in the next stage after Pilate's finished with him and after Pilate turns him over to his soldiers. That's the one with the shards on the end of a chain. And if you've seen the movie Passion of the Christ, that's a really good depiction of what that may have been like. But here, he's probably giving Jesus the least of the beatings because his goal isn't to kill him. His goal is to set him in front of the Jewish mob and say, look, I've done my part. This is some pathetic figure. Now, you do what you're going to do with him. You judge him by your law. And so Jesus takes this beating and is set out in front of the people and he would experience now this terrible moments as he walks nearer the cross. And so the people see this pathetic figure in front of them in verse 4. Pilate went out again and said to them, see, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. And then in 5, This sarcastic announcement meant to elicit pity. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. See what Pilate's doing? He roughs him up enough where he can pawn him off on the Jews. And the Jewish reaction here is absolutely stunning in verse 6. When the chief priests And the officers saw him. They cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. And so you have this interplay going on. Pilate's trying to get rid of him, and the Jews are trying to push him back on Pilate, because they, by Jewish law, couldn't kill him themselves. And so... Pilate really had no intention of believing Jesus, but he didn't believe that he was guilty of a crime. And what's really interesting about what's going on here is that each of these two groups, the Jewish leaders and Pontius Pilate, believed that they had power over Jesus. And what they didn't understand is that God's eternal plan of redemption was unfolding right before their very eyes. But because they wouldn't submit, And they couldn't believe they actually had this false sense that they were in control of the destiny of Jesus. And so here was Jesus, this sinless, spotless lamb, standing in front of the Roman governor. And he's willingly allowing himself to be tried in this way. But we see that Pilate wasn't going to submit. The Jewish leaders weren't going to submit. And because of their lack of submission, they weren't getting who Jesus is. They had a wrong view of Christ. Because here's the truth of the matter is that the star of this narrative isn't Pilate. The star of the narrative aren't the Jewish leaders. It's Christ. He, He reigns and he's the king. And this whole narrative focuses on him because he's the one who came to offer himself to make atonement for sin. And this whole whole terrible series of events is voluntary and pre-planned, and Pilate and the Jews were falling right into the hands of the Father. And so Jesus is telling them about his kingdom, but they weren't listening. And Jesus has told us about his kingdom. The question is, are you listening? Am I listening? Are we going to submit to his lordship in our lives? Because here's the question that's elicited in this narrative, is that Jesus is the king of his universal kingdom, but what will your response be to that kingship? That's something each of us has to work through. What will your response be? What will my response be? And again, the central focus here is on submission to something greater, and Jesus has this inerrant authority that's attached to his eternal kingdom. And we see this authority again in chapter 19, verses 9 through 11. Pilate's still confused. So he goes back in and he talks more with Jesus and has this private conversation in verse 9. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you, probably speaking of Caiaphas, the high priest, has the greater sin. So you have this moment now where it's a private conversation, and Pilate, this fearsome, brutal Roman governor, is afraid. He's afraid of Jesus. And in his culture, what he very well may have been thinking is, there was this belief that these godlike human beings could come back from the dead, and they could judge the living. And Jesus was using all of this cryptic language. I'm a king, but I'm not a king of this world. So Pilate now is getting nervous, and he's disturbed by Jesus' silence. So he presses the issue. You will not speak to me. Do you not realize I have authority to release you or crucify you? Pilate had bought the lie. He had no authority at all. Jesus said it. You would have no authority unless it was given to you from above. And so we see Jesus in total control of everything that's happening. The Jewish leaders thought they were in control. The Romans thought they were in control. Sometimes we think we are in control. And that's a pattern that we see working out in this narrative. But there is only one being in the universe that's really in control, and that's Jesus who has been given kingship by his Father. He's in control. He's in control of all things. As we go through these uncertain times that we're living in now, these unprecedented times, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week, and we're seeing the stock market jump all over the place, and our our kids are all of a sudden home from school, and we wonder, what's going to happen next We can cast all those cares on Christ because he's in control. And that's such a beautiful truth that we see working itself out here. But neither Pilate nor the Jews would submit. And I don't want you to make that same mistake. Because Jesus' kingdom is real. It's not pretend. It's existing now. And he is reigning over it. And we see this game that Pilate is playing come to a head in verses 12 through 16. And stunningly, the Jews not only rejected their own king, but they aligned themselves with the Roman occupiers. Verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now, it was the day of the preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. We don't know exactly what time that is. Sometime late in the day. And he said to the Jews, again, dripping with sarcasm, Behold your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, again with irony, shall I crucify your king? How ridiculous is this? And the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. And so he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And there's really an important point here for you and for me, and that is they align themselves with the enemy. Not only did they sell Jesus out, they sided with the Romans. And when you fail to submit, you're not only playing the middle ground, you're aligning yourself against your enemy. You're aligning yourself with Satan. There is no place that you can go. You're either with Jesus or not with Jesus. And so John is the only gospel writer that mentions this incident because he's claiming that Jesus is this Messiah, that Jesus is this son of God. But look how fickle the human spirit really is. They hated the Romans. The Romans were occupiers and they're giving their king over to the Romans to be killed. And so when you decide that you're not gonna submit to Christ, you have made a terrible decision, one that has eternal consequences, one that has consequences in your life right now because what Jesus is calling us to do is give him all of ourselves. And the Jewish leaders weren't willing to give anything. The Jews are acting out of hatred. Pilate's acting out of fear. Jesus is acting out of love and a commitment to the mission that he came to do. And now the mission is almost done, and that is to redeem the world. But amazingly, here's the long-awaited Messiah standing in front of this crowd, and they refuse to submit to him. And here's how they dismiss him. We have no king but Caesar. And Pilate then sets into motion the horrific events that are the crucifixion of Christ. So this is really an important question for us, the question of submission. And this calls for us to make a decision about Jesus. So this becomes then a question of personal submission. It's not about what my church is going to do or my family is going to do or what my parents have done. It's what are you going to do? What am I going to do? What are we going to decide? And so there are two significant truths here I want to point out. And the first truth is this. My ultimate authority is Christ. Period. And that's easily seen in this narrative. And the Bible is rich in truth regarding the ultimate authority of Christ. In Matthew 28:18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In Ephesians 1, 20 and 22, he raised him, that's Jesus, from the dead and seated him at his right hand on the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. And not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. Jesus is the king. He's the ultimate authority over all things. He is the authority over good and evil and over money and time and relationships and sexuality. He is the Lord over families. He's the Lord over life and death. And yes, he's the Lord over COVID-19. And you and I don't have to live in fear because he is over all things. It strikes me, as I read through the Gospels, how Jesus was able to heal and heal and heal some more. Jesus could change molecules. Jesus could do whatever he wanted. Jesus is Lord over this virus. And whatever's happening with this is all in his plan. This is, this is something that's been worked out before the foundation of the world. So you and I can be concerned and we can be loving our neighbor and we can joyfully submit to our leaders But we don't have to live with anxiety and fear because Jesus is Lord. He's my authority. The second truth is this. I am called to submit. There is nothing that's more difficult to do than submitting. Pilate and the Jews were confronted with the authority of Jesus and they would not submit. The question I have for you this morning is, will you submit to him? Will you give him all of yourself? It's important that you do because there is a sin problem that each of us must deal with. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death. And the Bible teaches us that there is a punishment for sin that is along the lines of God's holiness. And so the only punishment that would be worthy of God's holiness is an eternity outside of God's purview, in a place called hell. And that's a place that is just terrible to think about. But if you don't submit, that's the consequence of sin. But here's the good news. In the second half of that same verse, Romans 3.23, the Bible says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what I'm calling you to do this morning is submit to the king. And we are all making decisions right now in our own lives as we navigate this unprecedented time in America. Who are we going to submit to? What rules are we going to follow? Who are we going to love? Who are we going to be with? And what Jesus is asking you to do right now is to submit to his lordship. Learn from Pilate. Learn from the Jewish leaders. Don't make that same mistake. And so this morning, if you'd like to give your life to Christ, there are a couple of different things you can do. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer over you. But I would just ask that you would reach out to a family member or a friend that you know follows Jesus and just talk it over with them and say, I'm really interested in doing this. Or I prayed this prayer this morning. Can you help me know what to do next? Of course, you can just send us a note at myrwc.org and a pastor will get back to you and we'd love to talk to you more about what it would mean to submit to Jesus Christ just like Roberto did, the man that Wendy told you about earlier and that's so very exciting. And so while you're making decisions, just remember one thing, that Jesus is the king. He's calling you to be a subject in his kingdom. And I'm calling you to make that decision this morning. I just want to give you 30 seconds of silence to maybe think about what I've said. And then I'll pray a prayer over you as we close this morning. So just take a moment now in the quietness of your home and ask God what he would have you do with the truth we've just learned. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast.